Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Pirelli Scorpion Weather Active. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh every tuesday listen to conversation with unk hosted by lil duval on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts presented by at&t connecting changes everything there's a lot happening these days But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Thursday, April 22nd. What a night in the NBA. So many crazy games. Madness occurring all over the place. The Knicks continue to win. They beat the Hawks in overtime. Trey Young got hurt, too. Doesn't look good for the Hawks. But again, we're not here to break down every single NBA regular season game as much as Rob G wants me to talk about the Warriors taking an L on their road trip in Washington and MVP leader Steph Curry going 7 for 25, (laughs) 2 for 14 from deep, only scored 18 points. As much as you guys want to beat up Curry for that, go for it. That's fine. That's fine. You know, go fire away. Let it all out. Get it off your chest. We've got a great podcast for you, and it has nothing to do with the NBA. I got to give credit where credit is due. Rob G found an awesome guest for the NFL draft. A lot of you like Warren Sharp, and I'm curious what the reaction is going to be to today's guest. His name is Daniel Kelly. He is a former uh, scout with the New York Jets dating back to the Bill Parcells era. He was in the league for a minute. And now he is writing for SI.com, a blog 
covering the uh, NFL for them. And um, I just got to say, you guys know if you follow me on social media, you know I don't like the haters. I'm like, come on, guys. Life is too short to hate, okay? It's just, it is. Like, life is good. For instance, yesterday, I played about two hours of basketball, and it felt amazing. I was exhausted at the end of it. A good run. I lost our first game. Not just me, but our team lost the first game, and then we didn't lose the rest of the day. It was a great run. I'm uh, I'm totally spent today. It's going to be a long one for me. But, like, life is good, okay? Jake Paul may fight Floyd Mayweather. Like, come on. Like, this is, this is comical. Yes, that's a real thing. I, I don't know if it's confirmed. Let's see what the news comes out uh, later today. But Jake Paul versus Floyd Mayweather may be a thing, okay? And the NBA's popping. The NFL draft is a week from today. Um... Listen, I'm not going to dive into too much stuff because we've got a great interview, but just sit back. By the way, another headliner guest coming. If you thought Warren Sharp was good, we had Jay Billis recently. We've had a lot of big time guests. Friday's guest is a big one. Okay. So I want you to today enjoy Daniel Kelly. And we talk about the NFL draft. He is a big hater. He does not like Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) He likes Mac Jones. You can imagine how this goes. Listen, I like challenging people. Um, There are a lot of challenges in this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review. Here's our guest, Daniel Kelly. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't. He knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire. It's draft season, people. And we're bringing in a unique uh, voice here. Uh, we had Warren Sharp yesterday, and today we're bringing in Daniel Kelly. He's on SI.com. He used to be a scout for, drumroll please, my New York Jets in the Bill Parcells era. Daniel, how are you, man? Hey, I'm doing really well, Jason. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, you know, we're always trying to bring in unique voices. Guys, maybe we could do some mainstream, some off the mainstream. And then when producer Rob told me about your story, I was like, okay, we got to get this guy in here. And I, Daniel, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out right out of the gate and say, you know, I was looking at a lot of the guys that we're going to talk about here for the 2021 draft. And Daniel, you don't like a lot of these guys, man. What is going- <laughs> you hate Zach Wilson. You're trashing Trevor Lawrence, Daniel. I mean, goodness gracious. Where would you like to begin? Well, I tell you, we can re- re- begin with those guys, I guess. But absolutely, I'm on an island. Uh, like, literally and figuratively, I, I live in Key West, Florida. So um, I'm oh, definitely nice. yeah, one of those voices that's uh, standing alone, some of these guys. But like I always like to say, Jason, to our listeners, the film does not lie. And these mm. guys, they put themselves in film. And scouting is actually pretty easy. You just write what you see. And that's what I've done. That's what I'm seeing, at least, with these guys. Now, the interesting thing about film, and I saw, I forget who it was. I feel like it's a former quarterback put this tweet out that um, only like a, a, a few thousand people really know what to watch for on tape. Because now with YouTube, Daniel, I'm going to be honest. I can go on YouTube and you can call up any player you want and you mm-hmm. can watch every single Jalen Waddle snap from his career at Alabama. And you could do this for so many players. It's crazy. So now you have a lot of guys on social media saying, well, I watched the tape of this guy. I know him. 
Um, obviously, not everybody's watching uh, the right things when it comes to tape. So why don't we look at a guy like Lawrence and tell me what you see that you don't really like? Well, I, I do. I look at his full body of work. I, you know, one of the things when I worked at the Jets under Bill Parcells and, and I was in the pro department with Scott Pioli, his son-in-law, uh, was that, you know, Scott always told me, you know, make sure that you're not, you know, like watching a lot of highlight films and you're certainly not producing highlight films. And what, what Scott meant by that is he said, well, you know, anybody can look really great on a film or you can make them look great or everybody can look really bad or you can make them look bad. So he really taught me the, you know, the value, which I already kind of knew, but he really further instilled in me the value of watching a player's full body of work. And so when I go back and look at these guys, I look at everything, uh, you know, all the throws, as you mentioned, and with, with Trevor Lawrence, there's a lot to like, I'm not sitting here saying, Hey, the guy's a dog. I, I you know, there's nothing to like about, him. <laughs> you know, there's nothing to like about him because I have a list of things that I like about him. I mean, he, he's got nice size at six, six, um, you know, he's got a cannon for an arm. He looks like he's been very well-schooled and well-coached and the technical aspects of playing quarterback in the pocket. You know, he's got that play action fake and that pump fake he uses on almost every play, which is kind of becoming more and more of a trend in college football, it seems. Um, you know, he does a lot of things. Um, you know, he's got some nice touch and accuracy at times. You know, he can really launch it, like I said. You know, there's a lot of things to like about him, his pocket poise, his presence. I mean, in the pocket, he looks really good. But you, but watching the full body of work is where some of the things start to break down. And scouting is really like being a private investigator. You know, you kind of keep notes. I keep notebooks and pages and pages of notes. I start seeing trends and identifying baselines and things that they do well and things they don't do well. And one of the things that really concerned me about Trevor Lawrence is it almost seemed, uh, Jason, like he was uh, what I call uh, manipulating college defenses. I mean, he's a guy that's always had this incredible raw ability we've all seen come up. Um, and it seems kind of like he's taken advantage of situations through the use of the mechanics, like through the play action and through the pump fakes. He's able to momentarily freeze defenses and freeze corners, maybe in safeties that aren't as good. So his receivers can achieve better route leverage. And it seems almost like that's what he's been doing a lot of the time because what became Became more and more exposed the more I watched was what I feel, Jason, to our listeners was an absolute inability of his to throw what timing routes, um, especially at the intermediate level. I think this is going to be a huge problem in the NFL because offenses are predicated on throwing timing routes. A lot of the time, if you watch Trevor carefully and watch all his throws, he waits until the receiver is either coming open or is wide open before he releases the ball. You can't do that in the National Football League. You have to throw before the receiver makes his break in the intermediate routes. I think that's going to be a big problem. Sometimes he has a tendency also to lock in with his receivers. That's another big no-no. Another thing I look at is this big windup he has in the pocket. He's got the big arm, the big frame. You know, we really haven't seen a quarterback of this size maybe since a, a Dan McGuire came out years and years ago, a six foot eight, mm. um, Mark's brother. 
And we see this, you know, the Oakland A's, we see this big, elongated, you know, this throwing motion. Well, that's okay. But what happens is corners are trained. You know, corners are kind of like sharks in the water when you throw blood in the ocean. Corners watch for these things, especially for the veterans. And so what an elongated throwing motion does is give a veteran savvy corner an extra second or two to jump. And all of a sudden we see them on ESPN, you know, as a lead in in the evening time um, as, as a pick six. So some of those things really concern me at the intermediate level. I think Trevor is a guy that can throw. I mean, he can put some real mustard on the ball. He's got a, really the strongest arm of anybody in this draft class. There's no question. But, but you know, the short game he's pretty good on. In um, the long game he's pretty good on. But, but the intermediate route is the bread and butter for a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think he's really going to struggle. I did say in my report, Jason, if you guys check it out on draftdiamonds.com, um, you know, it's something where I think that if you had an offense like the old school L Davis, uh, you know, everybody just run, you got a bunch of receivers around a four, two everybody just clears out and go routes. I think that's his best chance to succeed. If you're going to put him in a traditional offense, I really kind of question some things. And he also plays in the shotgun primarily, which is another concern, especially to me at that height. Uh, bringing him under center is going to be an adjustment. It's going to be a new cast of characters. And I also feel that he was really dependent on having a great running back at Clemson and ETN. And it was special with this play action that he likes to use to try to cover up his inability to throw timing routes. So he goes into, let's say, a Jacksonville, which, you know, the free world has him going to. I, I think that, you know, if they don't have that franchise back there, that also exposes him a little bit more. Uh, there's a lot of concerns that I have. I've outlined them in my report online. And also there's a picture because this is something a lot of fans don't look at, something more and more teams are starting to look at, especially in light of some of the off-field stuff we've seen, some of the you know, some of the, uh, the different problems and, and things that we've seen, the criminal activity and so forth. There's a picture of Trevor Lawrence floating around online with him holding a handgun um, and in a Florida Gator sweatshirt. I don't know if you have you seen that, Jason? I have not. I'm Googling it now as you as you talk about it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. These are the type of things. There's actually um, what I've been told from guys that are scouting directors in the NFL. More and more teams are, are starting to even hire guys uh, that can just dig in the social media. Uh, this is something that there's any aspiring scouts out there. This may be an in and an avenue instead of just writing scout reports and everybody. You might want to start digging and looking at some of the background, looking at the social media. Now, most of these guys have agents, obviously, and the agents have really cleared up and cleaned up a lot of the top prospects, uh, Twitters and things at this at this point. But it, it's interesting. Once in a while, you come up with a gem. Do you see the picture at all, Jason? With the no, I, I, I mean nothing on Google Images. Maybe it's like you're right. Maybe the agents they can get on there and get stuff spread and, and get it off the web. But um, I don't know. I, I guess. I, I got it. I, I'm stunned, Daniel. I mean, listen, I, there's a ton of Trevor Lawrence stuff out there. We're talking about, I don't want to call him like a Bible thumper, but he's extremely religious, clean background, although, you know, you could say Deshaun Watson had a clean background. Um, mm-hmm. And like a lot of the critique you had, um, you know, I would say like, hey, I mean, shucks, Justin Fields had many worse games than the worst game Lawrence had. Mac mm-hmm. Jones probably doesn't have a lot of terrible games because, well, he only started 16. Like, I, I wonder, Dan. Let me ask: when you when you look at a quarterback who's got three years as a starter, as Lawrence does, mm-hmm. obviously you can nitpick a ton. Mac Jones only has one year as a starter, and then you know he started what two games after Tua got hurt. One of them, he had two pick sixes. Um, 
I mean, you look at Lawrence, what he did against Alabama as a freshman. I, I lost mm-hmm. track of how many defensive starters made the NFL from that Alabama team, but he torched them. And then last year, he wasn't phenomenal against Ohio State, which had, I think, two starting cornerbacks taken in the first round in Okuda and Arnett. Arnett was overdrafted. But nevertheless, uh, Lawrence obviously had that spectacular run for the touchdown. Like, he was very good in that game. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know, Dan. I don't want to call you a hater, but you're you're killing Lawrence here. I mean, there's a guy who many people say um, he's probably the best prospect to come out since Andrew Luck. Um, it sounds like maybe you're just not as in on him. Who do you? Yeah. Let's go here. After you take on that, who do you like from the quarterback class here? Absolutely. I mean, it's just a general feel, you know, Jason. I mean, I have 40 years of watching quarterbacks. I've, I've seen all the greats. I've seen all the people come through the league, um, you know, and one of the advantages at that point of having that kind of like, uh, you know, storage and, and quarterbacks compared to when I stack up Trevor Lawrence against what I've seen come through this league from Dan Marino on all the way down, I, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not seeing it. And then the Sports Illustrated thing really took me back. I mean, if there was ever a red flag which I wrote about, that's it. I mean, a guy who comes out, he, he says, his father says, his wife says, those who are closest, his high school coach said, hey, listen, this guy doesn't, you know, his son doesn't rise and sit on a Super Bowl trophy. This guy doesn't, you know, he can take it or leave it. Um, you know, that's a huge concern for me. I'm, I'm an aspiring general manager myself. And, and, and if I have a guy that says, hey, you know, I can take it or leave it, that, that's, that's cool with me. I mean, that, that's not the guy, point blank, that I want underneath my center when a game's on the, se- you know, on the line, when the season's on the line. But, uh, you know, getting past that to, to your to your other question, who do I like? I, I really like um, I like Justin Fields a lot. I think he is more pro ready. I think he's more polished. Um, I like the athleticism. I think when you're going to a team that's struggling, like a top five team is, it's coming off a losing record last year. I think he's a guy with that athleticism matched with being pro ready and the polish I see in his throws. He's an intelligent guy that can make all the throws. Um, something about Fields, just I mean, he, he's my number one quarterback in the draft. Uh, number two mm. is Mac Jones. Um, wow. It's, it's, yeah, I, <laughs> you well, know, listen, hey. now, listen, just to be clear, I, I couldn't find the Lawrence picture with the gun. I mean, Mac Jones got a DUI. He does two back. of them, two of them actually, and I think. Yeah. He has two DUIs. Okay. Um, That's and, and also there was a photo of him floating around with some Halloween costume that may or may not have been culturally <laughs> insensitive. I, I'm not digging into that, but like, I mean, Mac Jones question mark. I mean, he had more all Americans on the, uh, on the Alabama offense than the entire Big Ten and Big 12 combined in what was clearly the worst year in the SEC ever. I mean, I, I, I'm stunned that you like Mac Jones. I I, I, I got to hear what you love about Mac Jones. Mac Jones, and this is really going to set, set, maybe set you back a little bit more. I, I don't know. but and, and I love how you come back with this stuff. I, I love your, your thought process, you know, and I love to be challenged. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, it's yeah. nice. I'm not, listen, it's, I'm not going to bring on some cheerleader here <laughs> and agree with everything I got to say. I, I definitely like it. And just to get you ready. I've got the Jets drafts that you guys had with Bill Parcells. They were terrible. No, uh, as yeah, I, I know this stuff. but we'll we'll dig into them later. I know it's the whole room picking, but anyways. So Mac absolutely. Jones, go ahead. I was in, I was in the pro department, so it doesn't count. But anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. But anyways, uh, you know Mac Jones. I mean, this is really. I mean, this is how I feel. I, I mean, there's certain images, and obviously, I mean, I was born in '73. I'm dating myself. I'm 47. But I mean, I, this is a little bit, you know, predates my time. But I keep thinking about Joe. 
Namath, when I watch him, it keeps going through my mind what I've seen of Joe Namath. This guy is so polished to me in the pocket and so pro-ready. He has such a – I mean, the game is won or lost. They say about 90% of it from the neck up. There's so many things that I feel like, wow, this guy's really got to me. If I was a GM right now of the Jets, pick number two is going to be Mac Jones because oh. I feel like – because it takes, it takes a certain toughness. I mean, when you think of New York quarterbacks – you know, the names come to mind like, 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 you know, Boomer Esiason and Ken O'Brien and, and Phil Sims and Jeff Hosteller and Eli Manning. And, and these guys, they have thicker skin, guys that have, uh, you know, a little bit rougher edge to them and, and guys that can stand there. Joe Namath, Wyatt Tittle going way back to the polo grounds. I mean, a Bart Starr when he came in there for a little while. I mean, these guys with the, with the Giants, uh, with Lombardi, you know, these guys are, are tough guys. Mac Jones has got that toughness. He's got that swag, if you will he's got the ability and the thing and to your point Jason yes I mean he had all the great players and all the great receivers but the thing that I loved about him almost the most is he threw a lot what I call receiver friendly footballs and and what I mean by that is is he threw the ball and that's why we saw a guy like Jalen Waddle with with great yak ability yards after the catch because he put the ball where it needed to be where the receiver can run through it or continue running or run and score a touchdown that the ball placement is very important in the NFL. I loved his ball placement. I like the accuracy. I like the swag, the toughness, the mechanics, the arms. He he is a polished. I'm gonna come out and say it on this show. He is a polished pro-ready version of Trevor Lawrence. He has oh, the, uh, oh, wow. yes, oh, he's got the second, arm. Hold on, hold on. Wait, are we still talking about the same Mac Jones, the guy who couldn't beat out Jalen Hurts, the guy who couldn't beat out Tua, and then you watch Tua after he gets to the league, he had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Waddle, Smith, one of the best receiving rooms in the history of college football, arguably. And then True. Tua gets to the league and it's like, ooh, I don't know what we have here. To the point that Miami was willing to trade him uh, allegedly in some package for Deshaun Watson before Watson's life fell apart. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy who started 16 games in Mac. I think it's 16, right? It, it, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's just a, it's a feeling that I have. I, I can't describe it other than the way I am. It's just I feel like he played for Nick Saban, arguably the greatest coach in the history of college football. I, I think that, you know, I, I just see a guy like that. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, he's probably not going to go to the whole free world thinks it's going to be Zach Wilson. I'm sure it'll probably be Zach Wilson. Mac will probably logically fall a little bit. I think I think my old boss, uh, uh, you know, with Parcells, with Coach Bilicek up there up in New England, I think Coach Bilicek, now you, I'll say it here on the show, I think he's going to make a very strong play for Mac Jones and I think 15 at 15. And I think yeah. that's, that's, I think that's his guy when he's looking at this, yeah. you know, people say, Hey, look at Mac Jones, look at his body. You know, they have a picture of him without a shirt on floating around. Hey, go pull up the, uh, not you, but I'm just saying our audience, go pull, go pull up the picture of Tom Brady. I mean, yeah. you talk, talk about a frumpy body coming out. I, I just think there's a lot of similarities. And I do know one thing for an absolute fact is that Nick Saban is going to give Intel uh, to his friend, Bill Bilicek, who used to work and staff with that he's not going to give anybody else in the league. Um, you know, I think the big concern is the DUIs. Who knows how big of a problem that really is? That can factor in and play into it. But when I look at pro-ready quarterbacks, I say this is a guy that can step into the lights, is done at the highest level in college, and a guy who can can take a team uh, like the Jets and, and lead them. That, that's the guy. I mean, and not only that, but for the media in New York, um, I mean, you sent a kid in, a, a soft kid, uh, a kid who grew up in privilege like, like Zach Wilson, a kid who I think 
think it's very soft. If you send him into New York, I think it's going to be a paper shredder on and off the field. But if you send a guy, guy like like Mac Jones, um, you know, I think I think he would do well. So I like him. I like Justin Fields. And I also have an affinity for Kyle Trask. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I think I got where why you like some of these quarterbacks, Danny uh, Daniel. Um, let me ask you this. Did you like Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming? I did not evaluate him coming out of Wyoming. Okay. In all fair fairness. Um, yeah. I do like him in the pros. And again, I do like I'm him going on a small sample size. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Josh Allen was extremely good. He's proven me wrong. I was not a believer coming out of Wyoming. Um, but it almost sounds like you're gravitating toward like big names, big schools, big coaches. And, you know, uh, you know, I, in one of your write-ups, you said, like, Zach Wilson didn't play anybody. I would agree. But Ben Roethlisberger, Miami of Ohio coming out, not really mobile. I mean, he's okay scrambler, played a bad uh, schedule. Kurt Warner was, like, bagging groceries. Brett Favre, Southern <laughs> Miss. Like, a, there's been a lot of guys who have come through and become superstars. I mean, Tony Romo was never a superstar, but he was a very good quarterback out of Eastern Illinois. How much value do you put in small school guys, Versus the big school guys, it it doesn't matter to me where a guy really okay. comes from. I mean, I know it's the first time we've ever spoken. It's it, it just a it's a feeling. It's it's just when I watch the tape and I turn the tape, it's like, yeah, this guy's got it. This guy doesn't. So I don't play a lot of that into it. I, I look at the at the mechanics. I look at the technical aspects of the quarterback position, and I look at the ball placement accuracy, and I look at at the intangibles. I mean, that those you know, like like when I was with the Jets, um, you know, I had one major interaction with Coach Parcells when he sat down with me one day. It was only him and I in the lunchroom, and um, he said, "Hey, listen. I mean, and when he spoke, you listen, you know." And he said, "If there's one thing I, I want you to do here, Daniel, it's to learn the critical factors of scouting." And I didn't. Know what he was talking about. I was like, well, thank you, coach. And and but I later come came to find out these are the intangibles, these are the things that are not seen. And so when I'm watching the film to your to your question, uh, Jason, uh, I'm looking at guys that if if it resonates with me or or it doesn't, it doesn't matter so much what school they come from. Now, one of the big things for Bill Parcells, this is going back, I don't know, 30 years or more. Quarterback drafting rules. Everybody's applied uh-huh. this to a lot of uh, the quarterbacks the last couple of years. Bill Parcells wanted a three-year starter, right? He wanted someone who would graduate from school, starting uh-huh. a minimum of thirty games. He wanted at least sixty percent completions. Like Josh Allen didn't tick any of those boxes, at least if memory serves. He still is on track to, you know, I mean, he was an MVP candidate this past year. Uh-huh. Um, Trevor Lawrence fits checks several of these boxes. You don't mm-hmm. like him. Mac Jones checks none of them, <laughs> uh, and you love him. I, and that's a Parcells thing. You know, I, 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 I almost wonder if Mac Jones had been good enough to beat out Hurts or Tua, and we had two years. Like, would we be picking apart Mac Jones? Well, he wasn't that good. I mean, have you looked at the Auburn game? Uh, not this past year, but the year prior. I mean, I think he had a 60-yard pick six and then a 100-yard pick six. And you watch that, and you're like, wow, this guy, he ain't got it. Now, he did bounce back strong this year. Um, but I guess any final thoughts on, on you know, the quarterback situation in this draft? Do you, where are you on Trey Lance? Uh, Trey Lance, I have as a UFA. Undrafted free agent. 
Um, I, I'm not, I'm not big on Trey Lance at all. Uh, Trey, Trey Lance is, is a guy that when I first, I, I did a fall evaluation of him, Jason, and I did a spring evaluation on him because I was on a podcast last fall and someone brought him up to me. So I looked at him and I said to myself, you know what, this, this is a poor man's version of Donovan McNabb. He's a guy that's got average playing speed on his feet. He's got average arm strength. Uh, he's pretty, you know, sometimes erratic. The accuracy is not there. It just seemed like he ran kind of a version of the option offense. I said to myself, you know, this is probably a fifth or sixth round draft pick. Somebody can maybe make the practice squad. Somebody maybe has a little bit of upside you can work with, can run the scout team. Um, then all of a sudden this explosion happened. Like, like, like just, I mean, he came, he went into the first round discussion, like on a, on a, on a an America like wide basis. And I, I was stunned. I, 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 I've never seen, I've never seen, um, uh, you know, uh, someone try to manufacture a first round draft pick more than Trey Lance. I mean, they have a couple pro days. He throws the ball in gym shorts. He throws it to his buddies. He rolls out. He does this, that, the other. And everybody all of a sudden thinks that he's, an, you know, it, it, to me, it's amazing because it is, if anything, he reminds me of like a Jason Campbell uh, and, and a Deshaun, you know, Kaiser, who, who but, but without the arm strength, um, you know, Lance is a guy. Kaiser would have been way better. Uh, would he go to Green Bay? Yeah, well, Cleveland first, and they found Cleveland his way. Cleveland Green Bay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Second Kaiser, round pick. Jason Campbell was a starter, I think, on an undefeated Auburn team. Um, yeah. But wait, let me let me quickly ask you on Lance. Like, you keep using the word "feeling" to describe some of this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Mac Jones feeling on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, where are you on the analytics? Uh, because you know the analytics crowd, which looks at some of the traits that these guys have with hand size and measurement and uh, TD interception ratio and all that fun stuff. Um, uh, the analytics look pretty good on Trey Lance. Yeah, absolutely. I know he's super young, and he's probably a guy who needs to sit for a year, maybe two. Um, but I, I don't know. Where are you on the analytics versus feeling? I know football, and we talked about this with Warren Sharp. Football is heading toward analytics. Baseball has been there for two decades. Basketball, super popular analytics over the last you know seven, eight years. And it's starting to come to football. How do you marry analytics and feeling? Well, you look at it and you see if the two actually merge on film. And and so, I mean, I look at some of that stuff. I, I, I'm not somebody, I, and to your point, Jason, you're right. The game is headed more towards analytics. Um, and uh, in the study of analytics, I think the Cleveland Browns are kind of the front runners with that, yep. uh, with what with what they're doing there and uh, the whole money ball thing and everything else. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, to, to, to just look at, I mean, there, there's some, some, you know, just look at the numbers and the measurements. I've never been that guy that just, you know, I, I look at the heart of the player. I look at the intangibles. I look at the feeling. That's just a kind of who I am. I'm kind of an instinctual scout. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, when, when I look at the analytics part, but I remember, you know, having a conversation in my Jets interview uh, when I walked in there, um, I'm surprised to this day I got the job because in my 1998 draft book, I self-published and sells my resume. It's a 350-page book all the prospects, all the teams that that's what the jets called me in on. And uh, for my interview and my first part of my interview, all of a sudden I walked into the, into the building. And my first part of my interview was with Dick Haley, who's a scouting legend, a guy who's been in the league for like 40 years at this point uh, was the architect of the 1970s Pittsburgh Steelers dynasty. I walk in his office. He's got one of the Super Bowl rings on salt and pepper hair, nice suit tailored walks up. Hey, welcome to the jets. You know, all of a sudden there's this little round table sitting in the back of the room. 
And uh, there sits my book open. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden uh, it's open to the page. The, the guy they drafted it, they had a high second round pick that year. They didn't have a first rounder because they sent it to New England for Parcells. But with their first, you know, their first pick they had was a high second. They drafted a defensive end, if you recall the name at all, Dorian Booz on a Washington yes. State. Yeah. And, and so, so all of a sudden, and, and, you know, they draft him as their top pick. And in my draft book, I set up, you know, my resume that they called me in to have my interview with uh, and it was laying in front of me. I rated Dorian Booz as an undraftable reject. <laughs> you know, so so here I'm <laughs> here I'm sitting <laughs> here. I'm sitting across him a scouting legend. And, he, and he's, you know, very gracious, uh, very comfortable, his own skin. You know, he's telling me stories about how, you know, Dorian had, a you know, a, a biggest hand size is Mean Joe Green. And this is a guy that drafted yeah. Terry Bradshaw and, and Franco Harris and all that and Lynn Swan and all the greats and you know uh stalworth and 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 i'm listening to the, the hand he's telling me all about the analytics the measurements all the stuff dorian had and he looked at me and he said just on curiosity why do you feel the way that you feel and you know and he had this conversation with me i said listen the guy just didn't play with heart i thought he was too soft at the point i didn't think he had any fight mm-hmm. in him and and you know it was amazing and he just kind of sat there with a little grin on his face and shook his head and he says well, well we'll see i appreciate your you know i respect yeah. your opinion you did the work on him and and, and he turned out to be parcel's biggest frustration during my time there he was always a guy they were doing the texas uh, thing when they call him in you know they whistle and they call him in the center and you know they, they're, they're they're pounding on each other and, and it was oh, the, I, I think they call that the oklahoma drill yeah that's it yeah, yeah, yeah thank you yeah, for, for, i just looked this up dorian booze 44 games as a defensive end in the nfl second round pick zero sacks um so that one didn't quite pan out now the year prior the jets now you you, you got there before the 97 draft or after uh, after I got there in okay. uh, 98 and it was the uh, summer of, of the 98 season, right before the yeah. uh, AFC championship run that year with Parcells. So I, I, I'm guessing they didn't, um, they didn't have a first round pick in 98 for whatever reason, but Scott Frost, uh, the, the college football coach went in the third round. Uh, th- that draft was not very kind to them, although they did get Jason Fabini, a tackle. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a nice career. He did. Uh, and then in 99, they were just, uh, they went over basically. Uh, I mean, Randy Thomas is starting guard, but that's it. Nobody else did anything. And then 2000, were you there in 2000 or no? Yes. Okay. That was a good draft. Uh, they got Sean Ellis in the first round and John Abraham back to back at 12 and 13 defensive ends. Um, Abraham, is he in the hall of fame? If not, he should be probably close, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real nice career. Obviously. Yeah, Chad Pennington. Sure. Did you like him coming out of Marshall? I didn't get a chance to see chat. I was so submersed in pro scouting. I mean, literally, we worked, you know, about 12 to 17 hours a day in pro. We, we supported the college departments, uh, but there was, I mean, there was so much to do and so much to watch. I mean, it was around the clock, around the calendar, 11 months of the year. There was so much. I mean, there's so much different things to study, salary cap, free agency. Um, you know, uh, all, I was in charge of all the boards, like making all the boards. I worked with Mike Tannebaum, you know, putting a salary cap oh, yeah. board together, um, you know, and, and Scott Pioli's, you know, his board, keeping all the roster straight, all the, all the, making all the player profile tapes. I mean, they were, you know, getting shaking wings, whatever they wanted me to do for game play night. It was always something to do, go get a player at the airport, do this, do that. So there wasn't really any per se downtime. And then my third season, I became the special team scout with the jets. And that was all just, I, I wrote another 350 page book evaluating every, every kickoff, kickoff, return, punt, punt, returner player in the NFL. And uh, so, I mean, this is all consuming. So, I mean, there's more prospects than there is time, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. So, I mean, it kind of sounds like fun. Um, it is. <laughs> let me one one final thing on the analytics versus the feeling. So, um, one of the big analytical measures um, is Spark S P A R Q, 
and you know they're able to take hand size, the three cone, whatever all the numbers are, and they put them in a um, a formula and it spits out numbers. So a guy like Jason Onway, uh, Oway, sorry, the defensive end edge rusher from Penn State, had mm. zero sacks last year, no sacks, which is crazy. How do you draft a guy? But the <laughs> analytics in terms of his 40 time and the uh, shuttle and all that stuff, he's off the charts. How do you handle an analysis for a guy like Jason Oway? Well, that's the thing is, is I, I lean heavily on the film, you know, so that that's really what this comes down to. You know, I mean, Jared Glanville, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go as far as, as he did with some of the stuff, but the old coach of the Falcons, you know, he called the NFL scouting combine, the underwear Olympics, you know, I mean, it's, it's, and Jerry Glanville got run out of the NFL on a rail. So I don't want to go too far with this stuff, but, but, you know, the thing of it is, is that, you know, it's a game of football, and that's what I'm most interested in. I want to see a guy wear the pads, put on the helmet, to buckle the chin strap, and go. Um, I mean, I, you know, watching a guy run through cone, run around cones and, and jump and do all these kinds of things, I mean, there, there's a time and a place for it. Um, you know, I, I think the real thing I like to see off the field is the interviews. I, I like, you know, the idea of a chance to look a guy in the eyes and ask him questions and kind of get a feel for where his heart, where he's going, what his convictions are, and what his, what his, what's his motives are. But, I mean, as far as the analytics and all the drills and all stuff i think more teams have made mistakes you know relying on the analytics uh solely like you're talking about with him the, the kid from penn state I, I think they've relied on the analytics too much i think that you know players you know teams have fallen in love with guys at the scouting combine especially at the pro days um you know i mean trey lance out there running around i mean there's no defensive pressure anything. i think i want to see what the guy looks like i, I mean anybody could i mean I, i'd venture to say any able-bodied college quarterback in america could go out there and make the throws that trey lance is making with gym shorts on with his friends in the dome and inside, you know, it, it's something where uh, I, I want to see what a guy looks like yeah. on tape. So, no, so if I'm I, with you, yeah, so I'm I, mostly yeah. with you, but I would, I would, I would argue if you put Mac Jones at North Dakota state and you put Trey Lance at Alabama, are we looking at a totally different situation? Maybe given the structure, because, and listen, I'm with you on the tape. Obviously you got to watch and, and see if the, the traits match up with the production and the schemes, but Certain guys under certain incredible coaches um, can look great. And we know Saban, to an extent, has worn down his players to the point that when they get to the NFL, there's nothing left. You know, he grinds them to dust. That, that, that's you know, <laughs> speculative on a, on a lot of defensive players. I'll get you out of here on this because we've gone too long, I'm sure. I know you got a lot of stuff to do. But, Daniel, give me a guy who, I don't know, not first round, not getting any noise, but, you know, maybe a mid-round prospect who people have heard of that you absolutely love that is not getting enough love right now. Well, you, you could talk about a couple guys. I mean, Kyle Trask is a guy that that's, you know, we've heard him go anywhere from the first to the fourth round. Uh, Trask is a lot of, we got a lot of intangibles. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot, you know, that it's kind of funny because he does, he's very inconsistent. He, he'll do the same thing very well. And he'll do the exact same thing. Not so well, but he's got this intangible to him of, of being a winner. So I, I mean, that's one name I'll throw out. This guy, I don't know where he's going to land, uh, but you know, I, I don't know about a mid round guy for say, but when you first mentioned the question, the guy that really jumps out that I'm shocked is not in the first round discussion is the running back from North Carolina, who I love uh, Javante Williams. Yeah. Javante Williams is my pick for rookie of the year. I'll come on your show. 
show and say I think he's like a fringe first guy, first rounder, right? Well, I've heard anywhere from second, maybe possibly, you know, high third, uh, maybe in the first round discussion that, you know, everyone's so afraid to take a running back these days in the first round. You can give any time type of thing. Um, You know, I I think a guy like Javante Williams, I mean, this is somebody who's a very tough runner. He's got some Walter Payton in him. I mean, what I mean by that is he'll he'll kind of of look, he'll kind of, oh yeah, it's going to get good. He, He can kind of look at a defender. He wants to run him over. I mean, he's a very tough, aggressive, dominant runner uh, who's got very good hands. And when I when he can catch the ball in the backfield, and so when I mean good hands, I mean he's not just a check down safety valve, but this is a guy who can go deep along the sidelines as well. Um, I think he's Aaron Jones only better. Um, and I think if a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers were to take him, I think he'll run him straight into the playoffs. Uh, this is a guy who I think is going to be a really good running back and somebody I really look at as as being as being that guy that maybe he's not getting a lot of love right now or talked about a lot, but this is going to be a guy that's going to make a lot of noise. And I venture to say become a household name in America. So, so you would take him over Najee Harris from Alabama? Yes. Yes. And over ETN from Clemson? Yes. Ooh, bullish. All right. Javante Williams. That's the guy to watch rookie of the year. Hey, Daniel Kelly. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, I, I love this. I, I do love chopping it up. Divergent opinions. I respect it. Um, you obviously too. do the homework, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, me too. It's and been you're fun. a Jets guy. No. <laughs> All right, Daniel, keep up the good work and enjoy the draft. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Jason, for the honor and privilege of being on your show today. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.